Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. If it's your first time, especially, thank you for being here this morning. My name is Nathan, and as you just saw, we are in the fourth week out of five of a series we're going through called Clockwise. And uh, you've gotten a bit of a recap of it, but where we started the year was we were looking at the time that we've been given through our perspective, through our eyes. And we, we looked at this question that every single one of us has to answer. And that question is, what is my time going to be defined by? Is it going to be defined by my human activity or this expression of eternity that Solomon, as we looked at what he had to say, God put in our hearts? And then we looked through God's lens at our time, and we looked at this idea that our circumstances happen according to the hour hand, and we can engage our Heavenly Father with the same attention that we give the minute hand on the clock but we can trust that his presence is as faithful as the second hand. And we landed at this prayer for our time last week as we looked at Psalm 90. And that prayer was, May the mark of my days be the work of your hands, Lord. Uh, In other words, my, my brightest accomplishment is nothing without you working in it and through it. And my smallest deed may have eternal magnitude because your hands are in it. Heavenly Father. And so today and next week, I want to get real practical. Because when you're talking about eternity, it can be very abstract and broad and vague. And now these next couple of weeks, we're going to get very practical. And we're going to move from eternity to today. In fact, today is really to talk about today, this time frame we have. And it's really all that we've got. But in order to move into that, I need to show you in just a minute, don't put it up yet, there's this picture that was sent to me a couple weeks ago. And I found out that it was, it was a picture that somebody who was in the youth group years ago had, Courtney Brady. She's the daughter of one of our elders, Brad, and you guys know Katie as well. So she sent her parents this picture, and then they sent it on to me. And I have just been grieving ever since I saw this picture, because this was 20 years ago. Take a look at this. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I just look at it and, it, I mean, could the effects of time be any more clear? I mean, I sit there and I look at that and I, I weep because I had so much hair. <laughs> and I was going to go on tour with Eminem and have a rap career. And I knew every Ralph Wiggum saying, every single one of them, I still do actually. And I had really clear um, nasal passages as well, if you can't tell. But I look at that version of me from years ago, and, and I just sit there and I think, wow, the things I used to spend my time on, and the things that I was so focused on, I really did have every Ralph Wiggum saying memorize, and I thought how that was going to translate years later into being a pastor, I have no idea whatsoever. But it was a reminder It's a reminder that every single day is a gift. Let me read something to you out of the book of Ephesians. Paul, when he thinks about our time, he says it a little bit differently than we've been looking at it. Here's what he has to say. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful, then. This is in light of he's been talking to them about living as a light in a dark society, in a dark culture. He says, be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but is wise, making the most of every opportunity, and some translations say, or redeeming the time. Redeeming the effects that time has on us, collectively and individually. Making the most of every opportunity because the days 
are evil. And that's true when he lived, and it's true now. We just live in dark times. And, and so time can have an effect on us. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I want to, this week, look at kind of the first part of that and think through the lens of the first part of that. This idea, there's this idea there that today is really all we have. Today is all we have, and today is all we can handle. Because when you think about where Paul was when he was writing this, when you think about what was going on in the world around him, Nero was emperor, and we've talked about Nero before, Nero, Nero had, had this plan that he was going to blame on the Christians. And as he looked around, he was, going to, he was going to try to eradicate Christians. And so Paul lived with this sense of urgency that, yes, eternity is in the heart, but really today, today is all we have. And, I, and I've got to find a way, and you've got to find a way, and we've all got to find a way to figure out what that expression of the eternity that God has placed in our hearts looks like today, right now. And so as he continues, there's this, there's this feel here that, wow, Paul is, Paul is really living maybe in his final days. And it wouldn't be a whole lot longer. And Paul would be gone. And as we've looked at the last few weeks, our lives really in the scope of eternity are about this big, aren't they? And so today counts. And today matters. And so with that in mind, I want to look at today. And I want to look at this idea because there are a lot of, as I look at that picture, I think, wow, there were a lot of todays that kind of robbed my tomorrows. I spent time on so many things that if I could look back through the lens I have now, I probably would have changed my mind about a few things. And one thing that's been, become very clear through the years is that anything that we hold on to today will weigh on you tomorrow. Whatever you hold on to today will weigh on you tomorrow. Because today has a way of stealing from tomorrow if we don't think about and bring some intentionality to our time and what God wants of our time. And so today, what I want to do is look at four statements in the New Testament, and there are these today-tomorrow-related statements. They are statements that as you look at them, they, they really bring a sense of urgency, but I believe it's a holy urgency to the way we live. And these four statements really should, should bring our antenna up to the different areas of life that want our time. And in the culture we live in, they can grab our time without us even realizing that they're doing it. Today can steal from tomorrow. And so the first area I want, to, I want us to look at is our plans. Let me read this to you out of James. James chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, this is hard for me to read because I like to plan. And, and by no means is this passage getting at the idea that you shouldn't make plans. But James is pointing out the arrogance inside every single one of us 
to begin to plan without our Heavenly Father in mind, without the fact that we have eternity in our hearts in mind, and then talk and boast about those plans. And he's getting at something here. There's very much a today, tomorrow emphasis. That to plan without God today is to completely overlook the good that he set in our hearts to do. And this is the first area where our time can be robbed and we can steal from tomorrow. He's getting at this idea that too much time on your plans today, too much time on your plans today will confine you tomorrow. There's a man named Calvin Siebert that I want to tell you about. Maybe you've heard of him. He's been featured in the news um, a couple years ago, in these past couple years. But Calvin Siebert, he had planned to go into architecture, and then he found a completely different passion. Okay, you think architecture, you're thinking like multi-million dollar buildings and homes and stuff like that. You know what his passion was? And his passion that he's found? Santa castles. Sandcastles. In fact, there are some pictures that'll come up behind. I know. I know. It just makes you sick, doesn't it? I mean, it's incredible. And this guy, he builds these sandcastles, but as I was watching this interview with Calvin Siebert, he said this thing that was so, so interesting to me. They said, you know, how do you, how do you handle the fact that you spend all this time on these sandcastles, and you even draw up plans. He showed him these blueprints he actually has for sandcastles. And he says, I have to live with the understanding that it could all fall down right now, even as we're speaking. A wave could come in, you know, the sand could get too dry, and it could just crumble. And then he said this thing that I thought was even more important. He said, but what this has done is it has put me in touch with people who come by and ask. In fact, Calvin Siebert got this job as an architect building multi-million dollar buildings because one person was walking by on the beach and started talking to him and hired him. And I thought, how interesting. How interesting. Here's a guy who, who gets what James is getting at here. Here's a guy that goes about his plans, but he understands God could bring them down any minute. And that what was more important were the connections with the people who were walking by. And I thought, how, how interesting. How often do I go about my plans? How much, how much time do I give today to my plans and overlook the good that God has put in my heart? So that's area number one that can take our time today and rob us of our time tomorrow. The second area, not just our plans, but our stuff. One day, Jesus is, is talking to, to a crowd of people, and he tells this parable about this rich fool. And this rich fool, he says, this man had this really abundant harvest one day. And he saw, he saw just how much harvest that he had gotten, and so he decided he was going to build. He said, I've got to build more barns, and I've got to make more space in order to store all my stuff. And so he, he's, he's going about his building, and in this parable, Jesus says that the Lord said to him, you fool, you fool, this very night, this very night your life will be demanded from you. It's so interesting to me that in this same conversation, depending on whose vantage point you look from, you've got Luke, this, this account is in Luke, but Matthew, a similar account, Jesus says, do not 
store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy. Here's how he words it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and, and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine all that energy spent on building this rich fool? All this energy spent on building. And as I read it, I thought, oh, this is convicting. Because I have walked in those shoes before. And you've walked in these shoes. We've all walked in these shoes. See, that second area where we, that can take up so much of our time today is our stuff. Too much time on our plans today, it'll confine you tomorrow. Too much time on our stuff today, it'll consume your tomorrow. The Chicago Tribune ran this article about a man named Buddy Post. And let me read this to you. Buddy Post had been playing the lottery for years and years and years, and Buddy Post finally won the lottery. And here's what it has to say. In 19, this is back in 1988, he won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. In the time since, he's been convicted of assault, a fifth wife left him, his brother was convicted of trying to kill him, and his landlady successfully sued him for one-third of the jackpot. He is now trying to auction off 17 future payments valued at nearly $5 million in order to pay off taxes, legal fees, and a number of failed business ventures. He plans to spend his life as an ex-winner pursuing lawsuits he has filed against police, judges, and lawyers who he says conspired to take his money. Wow. I mean, can you see how too much time on our stuff can just consume? One day, one day of incredible winnings and years being consumed with his stuff. There's a third area that wants to take our time today, and it has to do with our anger. One chapter before in Ephesians, Paul makes this today, tomorrow related statement. He says this, Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. Now, I want you to just notice something about that statement there, in your anger. In other words, anger has its place. For as much as we try to avoid it or push it away when maybe it's healthy, Paul says anger has its place, but anger has to be kept in its place. In your anger, do not sin. And then here comes the today, tomorrow statement. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Can I ask you, how many, how many sunsets, when you, think about, when you think about the person or the situation or the place that has you so upset, how many sunsets are you going to give that? Because you and I both know that in, in our honest moments, and maybe one of the most honest moments of our day, is when we lay our head down on the pillow at night, isn't it? When all the conversation is done for the day, and we're sitting there with our thoughts, and we're reflecting. Isn't it true that some faces run through the mind, that some imaginary conversations take place? Please tell me this is true for you, or I'm going to feel absolutely crazy right now. 
But those are honest moments, aren't they? Our anger can absolutely, absolutely run wild. And here's what's interesting. I've noticed if I go to bed and there's something bugging me, the next day, what's controlling me? Thoughts about that person, that situation. It affects my decisions. It affects maybe even the schedule of my day. What I go toward, what, do I, what I avoid. See, too much time on your plans today will confine your tomorrow. Too much time on your stuff today will consume your tomorrow. Too much time on your anger today will control your tomorrow. There's a woman named Patty Davis. Patty Davis was a woman who in the early 80s was part of numerous protests, numerous protests against the, uh, the nuclear arms buildup that were brought about by the, the Reagan administration. And she was part of numerous rallies, and she, she would march at protests, and she would speak out against it. Here's the difference between Patty Davis and all of the others who were protesting. Patty Davis was Ronald Reagan's daughter. In fact, Patty Davis would rail against her father. Now, this is not about nuclear arms buildup or not. It was this, there was this anger that she in later years admitted. It wasn't so much about the nuclear arms buildup for her as much as, as much as it was the anger with her father. In 2012, she did an interview with Town & Country magazine, and in that interview, she admitted that it was only years later Years after she had stood on the podium at the Rose Bowl in front of 100,000 people in the stadium where they play the Rose Bowl, and people began to chant, get a new president, and when that got loud enough, that's when she got on stage to give the speech. And she looks back, and she realized, nobody remembers what my speech was that day. They remember that I stood against my own father. And in this, in this interview with Town & Country Magazine in 2012, she admitted with tears that it was in her father's dying days as she tried to get through the iron curtain of Alzheimer's that he was suffering from. She was trying to eke an apology through there because she realized that the political issues had to take their proper place in light of her personal relationship with him. How long? How many sunsets will we give how many sunsets are we going to let rob us of tomorrow? And there's a fourth area. There's a fourth area that robs our time today. And it steals from tomorrow, and it's our worries. Matthew chapter 6 says, Therefore, therefore, this is in light of talking about God as provider and the importance of his kingdom. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I ask you, what kind of burdens? What kind of burdens are you trying to borrow from tomorrow? What kind of burdens are you trying to borrow from tomorrow? Because too often we're, we're so caught up in looking ahead that we can't see what's right in front of us. And we can't see the time we're spending. Worrying about tomorrow at the cost of what God has in front of us today. See, too much time on our worries today will confuse our tomorrow. It's so interesting that Jesus brings, brings this up. 
in contrast to the time we spend on the kingdom. He says, look, you can worry about the things that I've already told you I'll provide, or you can spend that energy on the kingdom. And isn't it true that a worried life confuses priorities and confuses what we ought to be doing? I mean, I think about, I think about how many of you, let me just, let's be honest, raise your hand. How many of you made a New Year's resolution to get back in the gym? No, all right, we're doing well, nobody. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps you've had that moment where you were so motivated to get back into the gym and you were so motivated because you knew you missed time and you're imagining the place you had gotten to when you were at most at shape, when you were most at shape, and so when you got back into the gym, what did that workout look like? Was it an easing back in? Was it just handling what I can handle today? No. No, you did the workout. Okay, I, I did the workout according to what I last remembered. And what happens when you do that, when you've been off for a while? Yeah, you're not going anywhere for a while. In fact, you're not going back for a while, are you? I mean, I remember being so sore, I thought, I, I'm, it's not that I don't want to work out again, it's that I'm going to need six months to recover from, from the soreness. And this is what we do, we borrow burdens from tomorrow. This is what Jesus is getting at. Too much time on your plans today will confine your tomorrow. On your stuff today will consume your tomorrow. On your anger today will control your tomorrow. On your worries today will confuse your priorities tomorrow. I mean, isn't it interesting? These are, these are everyday things that we deal with, aren't they? They're very everyday things. And as I looked at all this, I just thought, man, there's a lot of, when I look at all these statements, there's a lot of do not, okay? And I remember this preaching professor at seminary, you know what he said? He said, do not spend a whole lot of time on the do nots, because we don't like to be told do not, do we? But could I be honest with you? Aren't some of your greatest regrets, aren't some of your greatest regrets because you ignored the do not? Like if you could go back right now, you'd want to redo that decision to go against the do not. See, we, we've all been complicit in using time today to steal from tomorrow. And so in light of hearing that, maybe you can't go back and undo the do not. But you know what you can do? You can let go. You, you can let go of any plan you've gone about without him in mind. And we can let go of those things that we've maybe grabbed onto so tightly, our stuff. Maybe we can begin to let go of anger when anger has gotten out of its place. And maybe we can begin to let go of some of the worries that Jesus has already promised us he's going to take care of. Because when you let go, when you let go, something very powerful happens. I mean, if we've really all been thieves... If we've all been thieves and we've all used time today to steal from tomorrow, there's some really good news. Jesus, the way he interacts with thieves is a beautiful thing. Let me read something to you. This is in Luke chapter 23. Two criminals, two thieves, when Jesus is on the cross, they put next to Jesus two thieves. And as these thieves were hanging there, one of them who hung there hurled insults at him. 
Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. If you're the Savior, save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. This is a man who understood he had used a lot of time in his todays and lost a lot of tomorrows. And he's recognizing and he's realizing that this is justice for us. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he did the only thing he could do with the limited time that he had left. The only thing he could do. He said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what that is? That's a, I ignored all of the do nots. I ignored all of them, Jesus. But even now, with what little time I have left, I'm willing to let go. And I don't know what it was for him. There was a letting go of plans, maybe a letting go of stuff, maybe a letting go of anger, maybe a letting go of all of his worries. Because he understood today is all he had, and today is all he could handle. And Jesus' response, Jesus' response to, these, to this thief, Jesus' response to you as you think about all the todays you've lost is not condemnation. That's where we go, though, isn't it? We often go there, but Jesus' response, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You want to know what happens when you let go? When you let go of the plans and you let go of the stuff and the anger and the worries? It stops stealing from tomorrow. And Jesus used the perfect word. I mean, I don't know how it all worked for him with the thief that day because Jesus was going to a tomb and would rise three days later. But that statement today, you'll be with me in paradise, I don't know. I can't fathom how that looks. But I do know this. When we'll let go of those things that take up too much time today, you begin to experience paradise. You begin to experience life the way Jesus meant it to. And so, could I close with this? As the worship team comes up, today is all you have. And today, honestly, when you look at the days we're in, is really all you can handle. But today is all he needs. So where is today? Where is today? Stealing from tomorrow. It's something to think on as we think about that today time frame. And next week, as we wrap up the series, we'll dive into. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way, what is it that he would have us focus on next? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your eyes on our time because as we've said the last few weeks, our time needs your eyes in order for us to live wise. There's just no way to walk through this life without your eyes on every single day. And so show us, Lord, show us where today is stealing from tomorrow. For those, for those in here that they've got plans in mind, but maybe they're just clinging to them so tightly, will you begin to loosen that grip? Where we've, where we've focused so much on stuff that we've, we've realized, or maybe that we've come to the realization today, that all of that stuff we've spent 
so much time protecting that. And we've lost sight of what it is you'd really want us to focus on. Where we're holding on to anger, Heavenly Father, we need your strength to deal with that before the sun goes down on any more todays and on our worries. Heavenly Father, remind us that you are a provider. You know our needs, and you have promised to take care of those so that we may focus on the work of your kingdom. Remind us that today is all we have. Today is all we can handle, but today is all you need. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.